Well, congratulations, you've made it to Friday. It's uh, another full week to put in the books as we look at our Friday edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Dirk Christensen with you here, and I have with me all the folks who are going to be telling you what to listen for here as we get ready to wrap up this week. And first off, over to the Ag Corner. This, of course, is Joe Gangwish. Just another day, Friday, for those in agriculture. Yep. Another day especially, in paradise. Especially those folks have been irrigating hard and heavy that could use another rain. I know yeah. they've been kind of spotty lately, but uh, we'll see what we can do over the weekend, I guess, for central Nebraska. Absolutely. And Ag News Today, cattle industry and USDA reacting to Japan triggering a safeguard tariff. So they're going to increase some tariffs on some frozen beef imports from the United States. And the cattle industry, USDA, not too happy about that. We'll get some comments there. Also, Stockton, Kansas farmer and National Sorghum Producers Vice Chair Dan Atkinson, who testified before the Senate Ag Committee this week, he talked about some risk management options for sorghum growers. We'll get his thoughts there at 1213. Also, more complaints on dicamba drift in Nebraska. That'll also be part of our newsmaker, who is a UNL Extension Weed Specialist, Amit Jala. He talked to Shaley about those dicamba concerns. That'll be at 1245. She talks to Al Dutcher at 1219. We'll get our weekly chat on the weather forecasts and what we can expect going into next week. And then at 117, another Fridays in the Field segment. This week it is Chad Moyer with Doug Stratman from the West Point area. We'll see how his crops look so far this season. All right. That's always fun to listen to. Over to Jason Jorgensen we go with sports. Fall football camp starts for college teams this weekend. Some are starting today. It's hard to believe. Where did, where did the there summer go? Didn't it just start? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, fan day is tomorrow night at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. That happens from 6 until 8. We will give you the lowdown on that. Also, well, Tom Osborne made some news yesterday announcing that he is giving up his skybox at Memorial Stadium. And you get it? He's... He's his old man, isn't it, and those kinds of things. I mean, uh, he just tends to go up around the stream a little that's, bit. That's true. He says he doesn't need it. He said, I've had it long enough. I don't need it for free. The university might as well go ahead and sell that and make some money on it. So That's crazy. He also says there's there's no discourse here between himself and the university. All's good. Yeah. By the same token, I suppose I imagine that, Tom Osgren can probably pretty much name his seat. Yes. <laughs> like, like he said, he goes, I think I'll be able to find a ticket. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Tom won't be out there, you know, with two fingers up. Yeah. Front of the <laughs> <laughs> Someone could stage that. <laughs> I can't see that happening. Also, we'll talk about former Husker Kelsey Griffin. She is playing for the Australian national team, and they're having quite a week, and uh, she's having uh, quite a week, so touch on all of that look forward to it thanks and uh, business today with dave schroeder well stocks are mostly lower today after amazon and several other big companies are reporting quarterly results that are disappointing investors Healthcare stocks are also falling today um, amazon fell 2.8 percent starbucks sank eight and a half percent uh, at last report, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about a point, the S&P 500 down 5, and the NASDAQ down 15. So man, a little down market today. All right. Lots more news. The weather, it's all coming your way on this station of the Rural Radio Network. 
They said you were just talking with someone who has been up in and around that place where there's been no rain for so long, and they're saying, yeah, everything they're saying is true. Yeah, matching up in the eastern Montana portion and also the Dakotas, they were in the eastern part of Montana, and one of the things that they mentioned was, I don't know what those people are going to do for hay this upcoming year, because it is just dry and burning up up there. Yeah, wow. Well, here comes your ag weather. That's Paul Perkins, of course, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. We do have some clouds still scattered about much of Nebraska, especially to the north of I-80 and the west-central portions, down to around Lexington and then towards the Norton area. We do have some patches of clearing, though, in uh, areas of central Nebraska from about Ord down to Kearney, Grand Island, and Hastings. A little more cloud cover up towards the northeast part of Nebraska, where there is still some light rain in the northeast part of Nebraska down to around Neely. Overall, we will be sunny to partly cloudy today, slightly cooler than normal, with some light east winds off an area of high pressure over Wisconsin. A late-day disturbance will help to develop some thunderstorms over the high plains. Those storms expected to drift to the southeast. Thunderstorms will move into far western areas late in the afternoon and evening, then central areas later tonight, most likely after midnight, the leftovers of those storms moving through. Thunderstorms may refire for tomorrow night on into Sunday morning. Severe weather not expected due to the low instability across the area. High pressure for Monday and Tuesday will keep it mainly dry and seasonably cool. That big ridge of high pressure that brought all the hot and humid weather to our region over the last few weeks, that will continue to retreat farther and farther towards the west. Some weak disturbances could trigger a few thunderstorms for late Tuesday into Thursday, but those rain chances not looking as promising as what we may see for tonight on into Sunday. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska forecast to be seasonal or near normal for Wednesday through August 10th. In central Nebraska, daytime highs usually in early August, average in the upper 80s with overnight lows on average in the low 60s. And August 10th begins the hot, or ends the hottest time of the year for us. And that's when average temperatures will start to cool down for the rest of the year. Kansas temperatures for Wednesday through August 10th forecast to be cooler than normal. The precipitation forecast for both Nebraska and Kansas expecting below to near normal rainfall. Wednesday through August 10th, the better chances of near normal rainfall, though, in the week after next. In the markets today, weather factors include a dry week for the Midwest and no drought improvement in the northern plains and Canadian prairies. Next few days, a cold front will remain the focus for locally heavy rain and possible flooding in the central Appalachians and mid-Atlantic. The monsoon circulation of moisture that's over the southwest part of the U.S., that could lead to some downpours and flash flooding in central and southern areas of the Rockies and also the nearby high plains. Rainfall for the Midwest looks limited the next 10 days, but with no severe heat, milder temperatures will help to keep the crop conditions stable. The drier weather actually looking to benefit the crops in some of the eastern areas of the Midwest. The recent heat and dryness in the western Midwest, though, is leading to expectations for lower corn yields than last year. Soybean prospects yet to be determined. There's no change expected in the next 10 days in the northern plains. Little rain and periods of warmer than normal temperatures will continue to stress the pollinating corn and filling of soybeans. Crop losses expected across the northern plains. Also, no change seen the next 10 days for the Canadian prairies. Little rain and much warmer than normal temperatures will stress the spring wheat even more where significant losses are already expected. Across the southern plains, the long-range forecasts show that farther west position of the subtropical high-pressure ridge, that likely means a cooling trend in those areas with a few scattered thunderstorms. 
internationally in north central Ukraine. There are renewed concerns over the lingering impacts of spring and early summer dryness. Early wheat harvest yields well below a year ago. The prospects, though, more favorable elsewhere in Ukraine and Russia. Well, we're seeing a lot of movement, uh, or tentative movement, I guess, in those markets due to all that dryness that's out there, and those numbers are really starting to suffer. Yeah, uh, kind of benefits those of us around here that do have, of course, the irrigation to help out. But, yeah, western areas in the Midwest, they don't rely on too much irrigation. So Every time we hear you talk about the northern plains, it's always no change. Yeah, no change. It's, they are just stuck on a bad record right yeah, now. Unbelievable. Well, our ag weather is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And when you need weather anytime, krbn.com. Here's an update of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Japan's planned increase of tariffs on U.S. frozen beef causing some concern. Let's get an update from Susan Littlefield. The government of Japan has announced that rising imports of frozen beef in the first quarter of the Japanese fiscal year, which is April to June, have triggered a safeguard, resulting in an automatic increase to Japan's tariff rate under the WTO on imports of frozen beef from the United States. The increase from 38.5% to 50% will begin August 1st this year and last through March 31st of next year. The tariff would affect only exporters from countries, including the United States, which do not have free trade agreements with Japan currently in force. Secretary Purdue said he's concerned that the increase in Japan's tariff on frozen beef imports will impede U.S. beef sales and likely to increase the United States' overall trade deficit with Japan. U.S. exports of beef and beef products to Japan totaled $1.5 billion last year, making it the United States' top market. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. National Cattlemen's Beef Association President Craig Uden issuing a statement on that today, saying they're very disappointed that the tariff rate will go up to 50%. Now, Japan is the top export market for U.S. beef in both volume and value, and Uden says anything that restricts our sales to Japan will have a negative impact on America's ranching families and also our Japanese consumers. Stockton, Kansas farmer, National Sorghum Producers Vice Chair Dan Atkinson testified this week at the Senate Ag Committee hearing on risk management. Atkinson explained the value of risk management for his Kansas farm and other sorghum farms across the country. He says on the Title I programs, there was clearly a better option this past year. And regarding ARC and PLC, clearly with the 2020 vision that hindsight offers, PLC has been the better safety net for our sorghum farmers. PLC was very conservative up front when prices were still above $4 per bushel. In contrast, ARC assistance was a virtual certainty when farmer elections were being made. With the target county revenue generated at $5.10 per bushel, the logic was to take a bird in the hand and put it to use. Unfortunately for farmers, markets have not rebounded as hoped. Going forward, we are open to the idea the ARC model could be improved. We believe that PLC could also be improved, and we generally favor this model, coupled with a strong crop insurance program. As for crop insurance, Atkins says the participation rate among sorghum growers is low because of the higher costs. He told the committee that the rates definitely need to come down. Reports of dicamba injury are picking up in Nebraska. Let's get an update from Shaley Peters. This is the first year the product has been made commercially available here in Nebraska, and now reports are coming in from growers who are seeing damage to to their fields. UNL Extension weed specialist Amit Jala says the product is unique in the way it moves. So there are different ways uh, how herbicides can uh, cause off-target movement. Uh, so it could be either through physical drift uh, um, 
or volatility or even temperature inversion uh, is also one of the uh, factors that are responsible for this type of off-target movement from Dicamba and uh, in certain cases uh, uh, tank contamination issues are also responsible for this type of injuries. Although he says he's not surprised to see these reports. It's not a great surprise. Uh, we expected some level of injuries but not uh, as much as uh, we have started seeing uh, uh, in Nebraska. Additional information on these reports and more can be found by visiting RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. More ag news available at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, looking into next week, uh, are there more chances of rain maybe in some of those places that missed out on it this past week? Well, in terms of the cool weather, I think that we'll probably hold on to that through at least middle of next week before we start to see the warm temperatures returning into our region. I think the big emphasis is going to be on the expected precipitation, at least across the western one-third of the state as we progress through this weekend. We actually had some decent thunderstorm and precipitation output over the last 24 hours scattered throughout the panhandle and more of that looks to be on tap as the system that brought the heavier precipitation to parts of east central and southeast nebraska um, as it progressed to the south stalled out somewhat and so high pressure system in the southern plains basically taking flow at the lower levels in, in from an east to west direction and so you get this what we call an upslope flow component in the southern plains and then that wraps around the periphery of that high and brings it up into the central Rockies. And then you also have monsoon moisture feeding northwards. So systems that are coming in this northwest flow as that ridge pushes to the southwest in the upper atmosphere are actually going to move across the state. And the juicy air exists in western Nebraska. So there is, uh, at least from the standpoint of the models, a fairly robust chance for element this weekend off and on, particularly across the panhandles we go through the next 24-hour period. And some of that shifting into southwest Nebraska as we go into late Saturday and through the day Sunday. Unfortunately, the drier air exists in eastern Nebraska, and the models are not very optimistic in terms of precipitation coming into the eastern eastern part of the state as we are more into that drier air. Now, as we go into the middle of next week, it does appear that that ridge will start to re-push back toward the east, and with that northwest flow, we may get a couple weak waves moving through the eastern part of the state and generating some potential thunderstorm activity. As we get into the later part of next week, another robust trough enters the Pacific Northwest, meaning much warmer air pushing into our region. Right now, the models only hold it on for a few days before we start to see a cooling trend. And if that's the case, the heat would start to push more toward the eastern Corn Belt, and we would start to see some of that monsoon moisture once again feeding into the western part of the state. And depending on where the periphery of that ridge is, may actually be beneficial to not only western Nebraska, but western Kansas, eastern uh, portions of Colorado, and possibly the western halves of the Dakotas, which would be which would be kind of welcome based on all the drought implications. So if we take this all together, there's a very strong possibility, if the models do verify out at least for the western half of the state, that we will see some improving conditions to the newly introduced abnormally dry conditions in the panhandle and some potential 
potential relief for the D1 area that lays across the southern panhandle and into the southwest corner of the state. Further east, I don't expect a lot of improvements in next week's edition of the drought monitor. Particularly improvements will be centered on those areas that receive the real robust precipitation, the Columbus area along the Platte watershed, and a few pockets of southeast Nebraska. Outside of that, it's more status quo or possibly even a small deterioration, at least into the central sand hills where, although we did get precipitation, it was not the type of precipitation that would cause an immediate move in the drought monitor, more of a status quo at this point in time. Thankfully, the temperatures are cooler. We would see an even more rapid deterioration as we went into next week. All right. Thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska football fan day is coming up tomorrow night at Memorial Stadium. Fan day is annually the best chance for fans to meet and greet the Husker players, coaches, and staff before preseason practice starts on Sunday morning. For the second straight year, fan day will be a full two hours. That takes place tomorrow night from 6 until 8. Another Husker news, Tom Osborne is giving up his large skybox at Memorial Stadium, saying the Nebraska Athletic Department should sell it to someone else rather than have him continue to use it for free. Osborne coached the Huskers for 25 years. He says the decision doesn't mean there's any friction between him or the school. The Ohio State Buckeyes opened up training camp yesterday, still stinging from that humiliating season-ending loss to eventual national champion Clemson. Now, questions will linger in camp about the quality of their passing game, whether the offensive line can protect quarterback J.T. Barrett, and whether Barrett can return to form under a new offensive coordinator. This offseason, head coach Urban Meyer hired former Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson to call the plays, and he's excited about that move. Kevin Wilson's the first established offense coordinator I've ever hired. You know, if you go through the history, it's either guy's been promoted on my staff or a young and up-and-comer like a Tom Herman, but this is a veteran coach that's... Uh, led some of the top offenses in America, very well respected uh, in our profession. So he's had a lot of input. It's still going to be the Ohio State offense. However, we had some weaknesses a year ago, and I'd like to see some improvement. And I think Kevin's going to have a major impact. Wilson should have plenty to work with. He will direct an offense that returns eight starters and averaged 39 points per game, but was shut out in the playoffs against the Tigers. Former Nebraska women's basketball All-American Kelsey Griffin erupted for game highs of 16 points and 9 rebounds in less than 16 minutes of work to lead the Australian national team to an easy win over South Korea and a berth in tomorrow's gold medal game at the Asian Cup. After starting her professional career in the WNBA, Griffin has played the last several years in Australia and has become a citizen of that country. And former Husker Aaron Bummer was called up to the majors by the White Sox yesterday. He was called up after fellow former Husker Dan Jennings was traded to Tampa Bay as part of Chicago's fire sale this summer. Bummer is the 36th Husker to play in the majors. He threw an inning in last night's loss to the Cubs. And O.J. Simpson won't be invited to watch practice or take part in any official functions at his alma mater this fall. That's following his release from prison. Simpson was a guest at USC practice in Florida before the 2003 Orange Bowl. The school came out this week and said he won't be part of any of their activities. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
sky is clearing later today with a chance of sun. Highs in the low to mid 80s. Southeast winds at around 10. Then tonight, a 30% chance of thunderstorms after midnight with lows in the mid 60s and southeast winds becoming light. I'm Annie Brickner. A former Omaha police officer has surrendered to face a felony assault charge in the death of a mentally ill man whom he shocked with a stun gun a dozen times. Douglas County Jail officials say Scott Payne surrendered around 5 a.m. today. His bond hearing is scheduled for this afternoon. Police cruiser video shows Payne using a stun gun June 5th to shock 29-year-old Zachary Bearheels at an Omaha convenience store. Officer Ryan McCartley is seen punching Bear Heels. Some of the blows came after Bear Heels was on the ground and not resisting. Prosecutors say McCartney has been ticketed for misdemeanor assault. Police have said Bear Heels was acting erratically and fought officers' efforts to take him into custody. He was pronounced dead later at the hospital. A man accused of leaving his bulldog puppy on a hot apartment balcony leading to its death has been cited on suspicion of animal cruelty. The Nebraska Humane Society says the 52-year-old owner faces a misdemeanor charge of animal cruelty, which carries a sentence of up to a year in jail. Nebraska Humane Society officials were sent to the Bellevue apartment complex earlier this month and found the 16-month-old's dog's carcass. There was food and water on the balcony, but the dog was left in direct sunlight with no shade on a day with heat index was 97 degrees. Veterinarians say the dog's death was consistent with signs of heat stroke. Experts say a bulldog's shortened snout makes eliminate heat by panting. Authorities say a serial rapist who remains on the loose after attacking more than a dozen women in two Kansas college towns has been tied to another case. Police in Riley County and Lawrence announced Thursday that a July 2015 attempted rape in Manhattan is the latest case linked to the unidentified suspect. The man also is suspected in 13 other cases from 2000 to 2008. Authorities are investigating whether the death of a couple's baby in California is related to the death of their older child in Kansas in 2015. The Bakersfield Californian reports that Gage and Deborah Roberts were charged with second-degree murder Tuesday in the death of an infant last year. Their six-month-old child died in Kansas in 2015. Senator John McCain is calling on the Senate to start fresh on health care after he cast the decisive vote killing the GOP's Obamacare repeal effort. McCain says it is now time to return to regular order with input from all of our members, Republicans and Democrats. He says lawmakers must abandon partisan rancor and gridlock that have paralyzed Congress in recent years. We can do this, he says. Get your news fast and first and you like our Facebook page in the KRVN News Center. I'm Annie Brickner. Reports of injuries from dicamba are popping up across Nebraska. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with us today about that is UNL Extension Weed Specialist Amit Jala. And Amit, uh, just recently releasing an article talking about these reports coming into you, and then uh, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture also touching on this. But what can you tell us, give us an update on some of these reports you're receiving from growers in the state? Yeah, we are seeing all the injuries uh, in uh, non-dicamba tolerant soybean specifically in roundup ready soybean because soybean in general if it is not tolerant to dicamba then they are very sensitive to dicamba type herbicide um, even a lower dose or lower amount of dicamba can also cause uh, serious damage uh, to those non-dicamba tolerant soybeans so we are seeing a lot of uh, leaf cupping is a very common symptom that you will see when uh, dicamba-based herbicide will injure 
any type of other soybeans in the area and that includes Roundup Ready soybean or Liberty Link soybean or even conventional soybean. And are these reports fairly recent? Are growers just starting to see some of the damage done in their fields then? No, it has been for last um, three to four weeks. Uh, we have started receiving phone calls about uh, injury issues with uh, dicamba-based herbicides and it's not necessarily only from the dicamba-based herbicides being applied in soybean, but in corn also there are a number of uh, dicamba-based herbicides uh, have been registered and they are being applied. Uh, so, yeah, we have started receiving phone calls in last uh, three to four weeks, uh, and it takes time until the injury symptoms will appear. So I'm sure most of these dicamba-based herbicides were applied uh, probably before about uh, four to five weeks uh, from now. All right, and you touched on this a little bit, Amit, that dicamba is a bit unique in how it can transfer onto fields. It doesn't just have to be coming from a direct neighboring field, does it? Yes, so there are different ways uh, how herbicides can uh, cause off-target movement. Uh, so it could be either through physical drift uh, uh, or volatility or even temperature inversion uh, is also one of the uh, factors that are responsible for this type of off-target movement from dicamba and uh, in certain cases uh, uh, tank contamination issues are also responsible for this type of injuries uh, because sometimes if you spray dicamba in cornfield and then if you don't uh, triple rinse your sprayer then it is possible like uh, the dicamba will be there in the tank and if you will add another herbicide and if you go to soybean field which is not tolerant to dicamba or any other herbicide then it is more likely that this tank contamination can also create um, off-target movement. Okay so what advice are you giving the growers that call in and are reporting these injuries? Where we are telling them just to scout your field and see how, how much is the infestation in your field and uh, then keep notes. Uh, you can keep conversation with your neighbors and uh, you can talk with your uh, herbicide applicator and uh, I think try to solve this issue or just be in communication with uh, Nebraska Extension and uh, if you, you are interested in to file a legal complaint then uh, they have to contact uh, Nebraska Department of Agriculture because uh, that is the legal authority to investigate the issue further but we generally recommend to contact uh, local growers and neighbors and uh, uh, crop consultants uh, and whosoever is involved with the herbicide application process. Now I have to ask, of course, Nebraska is not the first state to see some of these, and this was the first year, though, that dicamba was uh, commercially available here in this state. But hearing a lot in the news about other states going as far as putting a ban on it, did this come as much of a surprise to you? Uh, in Nebraska, we are not in that bad situation, and it's not a great surprise. Uh, we expected some level of injuries, but not uh, as much as uh, we have started seeing uh, uh, in Nebraska as well as uh, in other states. Uh, in fact, uh, the injury level is far more, for example, Missouri, Arkansas, Illinois, they have far more injuries uh, associated with uh, off-target movement of dicamba compared with uh, Nebraska. But uh, yeah, this is not, uh, this is something we expected, but not uh, at very large scale as uh, it is uh, creating right now. And I know we're a ways off from harvest yet, but 
Any idea on what kind of yield damage this could potentially do? Yeah, it will be hard to say at this point. Uh, it depends on number of factors like uh, how much uh, is the soybean infected and at what stage. Uh, it is generally m one of my colleagues uh, conducted some research last year and it says when soybean are infected when they are at flowering stage, then there are more chances that uh, it will cause more yield reduction compared with uh, soybean, which is just uh, damaged uh, during the early growth stage. Uh, then there are chances like it may regrow and uh, there might not be or there might be minimum yield reduction. So it will be hard to say it and it depends on situation to situation and field to field. All right. Thanks, Admit. Any additional comments while I've got you on the line here? No, I think now even if growers are applying this dicamba-based herbicides uh, in Roundup Ready to extend soybean, then uh, it is basically when the wind speed is 3 to 10 miles per hour and uh, uh, do not spray any other dicamba-based uh, uh, products uh, and just follow the label instructions uh, for any dicamba-based formulations they are applying. This is something we need to do at a community level uh, just to make sure uh, we are not creating any other uh, off-target movement. All right, Amit. Thank you so much for the information. UNL Extension Weed Specialist Amit Jala talking to us about some of the reports he's received concerning dicamba injury in fields across Nebraska. For more on this, you can visit ruralradio.com or cropwatch.unl.edu. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It was a day of triple-digit losses in cattle futures. Let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about this. There was no real serious buying at the end of the session today, was there? No, there sure wasn't. Uh, you know, things started out uh, on kind of a sour note anyway because Japanese have uh, decided that they may have to raise uh, uh, import tax on, uh, on uh, U.S. beef, and that pretty much uh, solved the problem of which way we were going to open today and we stayed lower throughout the day. Uh, really didn't hear of any trade either that would be significant in uh, in uh, helping uh, boost the price. So uh, triple digit gain or losses and uh, which I guess with that kind of news uh, was to be uh, somewhat expected. And that puts us lower for the week in both the uh, feeders and the uh, live cattle. So uh, not a good finish this week uh, in uh, in the cattle complex. Hogs uh, not much better. Uh, the lead options there down. Uh, cash seems to be soft. Cutouts sharply lower again at noon after being lower yesterday. So it's uh, we're just seeing uh, things kind of. Almost like a meltdown uh, in the whole livestock complex right at the moment. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter through Saturday estimated at 627,000, 5,000 more than a week ago, and 47,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter expected to be 2,239,000, 26,000 more than a week ago. Dewey Nelson reporting. <laughs> 
Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time once again for our Fridays in the Field segment back in northeast Nebraska and visiting with Doug Strotman from West Point. Give us kind of a comparison when when we visited with you the first go-around compared to where we're at right now. Well, Chad, uh, I think since the last time we talked, um, we've gotten about three really decent rains. We're kind of in a garden spot, I feel, here. Um, I think before we're, we were kind of waiting for a rain, and so some of our bean fields, like the one we're in now here, was a little uneven because some of the beans were laying in dry ground, and you can kind of tell that they all filled in real nice. It took them, some of them beans, probably three to four weeks to emerge out of the ground. They're just kind of starting to flower here. And the, the corn uh, we've had just in the last week, some of our ground has had three and a half inches of rain in three different times. We've watered all of our corn. The irrigated corn we've probably put an inch and a half to two inches on. The corn around here looks real well, and it's probably, most of it's all pretty well tasseled out and um, just looks to be like, I don't know if I have as good a crop as last year, but it looks looks like it's come along pretty good. Now's about the time you start thinking about a fungicide application, I would imagine, huh? Yeah. In fact, I was just going to make a phone call when we got back here. We're going to line up all of our corn to spray with fungicide and some insecticide. We do it every year. We just feel we do it every year. We do a lot of corn on corn, so there's more pressure on those fields. So we just do it every year. Some years it definitely pays off. Some years we feel it's a wash. Some of the our cornfield did get hit with some hail. So those stalks that got a little bit damaged, we really want to make sure that we get hit them with fungicide. Well, let's talk a little bit about alfalfa. Uh, second cutting is done now. Regrowth for third cutting is coming along. How did second cutting go for you? Second cutting went real well, Chad. On 75 acres, we actually ended up with 18 more bales than first cutting. So it was right around two and a quarter ton an acre. And with this last rain we got, I mean, we're going to get a pretty decent third cutting. So our alfalfa seems to be doing good. Now, related to that, and, and we could talk about the other crops too, um, insect pressure uh, with alfalfa. Have you had to spray for weevils, or uh, have there been aphids in and around your field? Anything like that yet? We have not noticed anything. Normally, you'll kind of see that, like after you cut it and get the hay up, it just doesn't green up, and we just haven't seen that. I mean, at all, we just felt there was no, not enough pressure to spray anything. Well, uh, you also have a, a cattle operation, uh, a feed yard, in, in addition to the crops that you do, Doug. We had a, a hot spell last week. How did the cattle uh, in the yard? take last week it takes about three days of heat the third day you can almost guarantee that they're going to drop from their consumption probably 30 maybe even up to 50 of their percent of what they were at you just got to make sure if you don't have shade shade is probably the best thing for them um, if you don't have that you, you need to have a decent water supply not only you know enough a big enough water tank for the amount of head you got in there but you got to have enough water to, to keep them wet and cool and um, you know they almost after three days of sprinkling, you know, some of them actually almost look like they're in a pig yard. But, I mean, that's their way of keeping cool. And, you know, now it, uh, this week it started to cool off. So most of ours are just about back to where they were before it got hot. But it definitely, I mean, obviously if they're not eating what they should, they're not gaining what they should. So it all kind of goes hand in hand. Just as we kind of wrap up, what's the focus from here on out? The alfalfa are probably, there has been some people done third cutting. We're probably about... 10 days to two weeks away, just kind of depending on, on the weather. And uh, the crops, I don't think we'll have to irrigate for at least a week or 10 days. You know, as a whole, if we can catch another one or two rains, I guess that's what we can hope for this year. Again, we've been visiting with Doug Strotman from West Point, Nebraska. He is our uh, Fridays in the Field feature this week uh, from West Point. And uh, here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.
Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. John, kind of an uneventful day when it came to the grains trade today, at least at the close, kind of softened the trade as well. Yeah, I think a lot of folks just unsure what, what way this thing's going to go, given the forecasts that are going to come out over the next two days. And in reality, that's what we're trading right now. It's, uh, you know, it's not even the actual events of weather. It's, uh, you know, what these model runs show in the morning, uh, 9.30 break. And, uh, you know, right around noontime, we'll get another one. And I think today's going to be showing a little more moisture. Uh, everything I've pretty much seen is showing that kind of ridge right along the center part of Iowa. I think east of there looks like it's going to be cool and maybe have a chance of rain over the next week. Everything west of there, which would include the listening area, this fine radio station, is hoping on some rain. Uh, things are, you know, a little mixed as far as the forecasts go, but, um, you know, after all of this week, you know, we've talked for five days on the Fed and, and weather forecasts and crop conditions. We're down like a dime on beans, down a nickel on corn, and maybe even closer to unchanged on the, on the wheat market, uh, Minneapolis-wise. So uh, I think Monday's trade certainly scared a lot of folks, and then today gets some optimism in it, and uh, we're right back to where we started. Soybean trade is pretty much consolidating just above $10. Does that signal anything as we move towards Sunday night? Well, I think they're just, you know, you're having a hard time getting guys to sell what they don't know they have yet, and that's, uh, you know, I think we're in the basis there, 950 960 seems to be a pretty fair value. You get much below that, you have crop insurance prices that are going to start to kick in in the low nines for some of the higher insured folks. So, I, I think the market's well supported here. Even, even a break on some some you know good yield news, I think, is going to get bought in the longer run. I think it just depends on on what your time frame is. Uh, I still, again, remain on on the side that this ten thirty level is going to get run at some point. Folks with hedges on there have had a, had a pretty easy time of it of late, and uh, it just seems to be one of those years that uh, you know maybe we get a surprise later than uh, in the normal time. This crop is still a little bit behind. Uh, you know, pot setting will probably be a little later, and uh, right now the 10, 10 to fifteen day forecasts, which I, I are very unreliable as, as we know, but it's all we can go off of, are showing no changes in the conditions. So we look for more dry, more uh, I'd say hot, maybe not the term, but uh, more moderate temperatures. I think than what we're seeing right now. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Soybean trade, as we said, consolidated right above $10, but we really had a weak dollar today, down .475 at 93.240. That is a yearly low. Corn finishes unchanged to a half higher, wheat unchanged to one and a quarter higher. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.